Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective podcast. Excited to be back here talking about really week 12 going into college football season, specifically fantasy. Talk about who's looking great, who's in the mix. And also cover kind of a unique take on what are the top college fantasy football kind of young stars to be thinking about for next season. So if you're in a fantasy league, maybe you've got people you can hold over. Like these would be guys you might want to try to go pick up in your league as holders next year because they, they likely are going to ascend to prominent positions on great teams. Most of these players are there. So anyhow, I'll get you that on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Woo! Okay, we're getting down to the meat and potatoes. I guess we just got through meat and potatoes of the college football season, but now we're getting into the kind of true steak part of the season where the the cream rises to the top and those that weren't really cut out for it, let's say USC was clearly not cut out for it. Now they've lost four games. I think they've lost, they're like four, one and four in the last five games maybe, or they're two and four in the last six games. Anyhow. So what did we learn this past week in college football? Let's start with Alabama. They are clearly back in the mix. They've looked really good the last couple of weeks. And it really culminated this past weekend on the road versus a good Kentucky squad, a six and three team, once undefeated, played some tough games, really good team, just annihilated them, dominated them. So they're now back into the SEC championship picture. I think they actually qualified for the SEC championship on the West side. They got a couple games left. They still have their their tough matchup, the rivalry matchup with Auburn in two weeks. It looks looking like Georgia versus Alabama in the SEC title game, which is going to be a fantastic game. And on that, so who else looked good? Georgia continued to roll. They looked very good against a top 10 opponent in Ole Miss, winning soundly 52-17. If you want to compare and contrast, Alabama beat Ole Miss a few weeks back, maybe before they turned that corner, but that was a much closer matchup, and that was at Alabama. Possibly Georgia's got the upper hand. I still think Georgia does have the upper hand, but that's going to be a fantastic matchup in a couple of weeks. Uh, Michigan won a grinder on the road versus top 10 opponent in Penn State, uh, which is great. Um, haters will say Michigan didn't throw in the second half, which they didn't. They didn't have a single throw and that they can't beat an SEC school. Who knows? Maybe that's true, but they soundly beat up on Penn State, controlling the second half and winning 24 15. So I'll chalk it up to a nice victory for them. I think it, it solidifies and shows that they're, they're a very good team. Uh, are they the best team? I don't know. The way the coaches and players were showing so much emotion after that game, though, following the suspension of Harbaugh, that may be the best thing to happen to them. There's a level of motivation and focus that you don't normally see. We're going to see the game against Ohio State, not this weekend, but the following weekend. That's going to be very telling for both squads, really, but I think for Michigan specifically. <laughs> Next, Washington being an underrated number 18 team in Utah. Utah's a really sound program. If you're an East Coast kind of guy, haven't seen much of them play. They play tough defense, just a really grinded team. Look, most people are going to say they didn't prove anything, though, so who cares? But they've got two games left that are tough. They play at Oregon State this week, which I'll get to in a second. And then they have the Apple Cup, big rivalry game in the state of Washington against Washington State the following weeks. They've got a tough little road ahead of them still in the regular season, and then they've obviously got the Pac-12 championship game as well which is going to be a monumental game against Oregon, who continues to look outstanding. Where does that leave us? We'll know the BCS slate in about three weeks. I guess it's technically, yeah, three weeks, I believe exactly. Not much more needed in terms of speculation, but for this week alone, 
We're not going to see tr- too many truly compelling matchups. Oregon State Washington is a great. That's a top. It's the only top ten matchup of the weekend. The only other interesting matchup I'd say is Georgia number two versus Tennessee number nineteen. So that's the best we got. But the following weekend, so Thanksgiving weekend, we have an incredible Ohio State, who's number one in the BCS kind of rankings, versus Michigan number three. And that's really going to be playing for a playoff spot. The winner of that's guaranteed a spot at that point. The loser probably still has an in, depending on how everything shakes out. The other conferences, there are five undefeated big five power schools who are all deserving. Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Washington and Florida State. You need basically you need one of those is going to lose in the Michigan Ohio State game. You need one other team to lose in that mix, and it probably can't be Georgia. It's got to be either Washington or Florida State to allow a, a Michigan Ohio State game loser into the game. And even though it might be tight, if Alabama blows out Georgia in the championship game, they probably would go over a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan team. Is my guess. Anyhow, that's for another day. Last, I want to call out just a hypocrisy or, or at least East Coast bias in ESPN's college game day choice this week. Far and away, the most compelling game is University of Washington, top five undefeated team versus Oregon State, a one loss, really strong team who's, I think, 18th in the country right now. It has national title stakes. It's the last regional matchup for the foreseeable future due to the Pac-12's collapse. And it's just two great football teams. Uh, instead, ESPN game day will be at the Appalachian State versus James Madison contest. Why? Uh, the only explanation, if an ESPN needs to fucking show up and admit this, is that they don't want to confront the obvious. They killed the conference ritual around providing all these sweetheart deals two years ago, these other conferences, and then not being willing to spend on the Pac-12 TV deal as well. Because that's ultimately what happened. There wasn't enough money. They ran out, there's musical chairs, and there's only four conferences that could close those deals. And even the big, what I call the big shitty or the big 12 or big eight, I'm not sure what they're even called anymore. Their deal is not that great. AC deal, ACC deal is pretty solid, and it gave them the ability to add teams and keep the same rate so that basically the TV contracts had to pay more. Same thing with the big eight deal as well, as well as the big 10 deal, which is why they were able to add those teams and, and suck up more. So anyhow, that said, Sucks, but it is what it is. Okay, last thing here today I wanted to do was, look, if you're playing college fantasy, one of the biggest things at the end of the year you're going to care about, and maybe listen to this, and maybe I'll replay it again as we get closer to next summer, but who are the like who are the freshmen? Basically the freshmen, but maybe some there's a couple red shirts in here, freshmen, but most of them are true freshmen, who have shown enough or in a great situation where they're going to send and likely be stars next year. So what are the names you want to keep in mind of? So I'm going to go through a handful, a a couple, actually three quarterbacks, four running backs. I got three receivers. I got a wide receiver, tight end mix, and then two tight ends. So pretty good list here. Uh, Some of these guys you'll know. Some guys are actually already playing. um, Some guys you won't. So anyhow, let's kick it off. The number two overall recruit in the country, he's number three on some list, number one on another list, was Dante Moore at UCLA. The reason why he's number one here for me is he actually started a few games this year. And he looked good. He has a cannon for an arm. He can throw it around. He's going to put up big stats. This guy's a guy from the inner city of Detroit, 6'4", 220. He's got all the makings of a player that's going to go to the next level. He did not keep the job because he has a little bit injury prone. Sorry, a little turnover prone. And he's played here or there. But he started a handful of games, won some games, threw for several hundred yards, actually got them at early on in the season, got them out of a funk and won a couple key games for them and then was a little bit turnover 
prone. And so I think he's gotten good. He's demonstrated he can play at this level. He demonstrated he's got elite talent. So he got his feet wet, but now he's been able to assimilate all year and he's going to take over next year regardless of what happens unless there's some injury or barring an injury. So I really like him. Next is a little bit more, but the next two are projections at quarterback, but they're in really good programs and good situations and they should ascend. The other one, the next one is potentially the number one overall recruit, depending on what service you're talking about. ESPN had number one overall. He was number four in 24-7. Not quite, it was, I think he was number three in, in Rivals. But he was in last year's class. His name's Molokai Nelson at USC. Look, why is he on this list? He walks into a dominant offensive system with incredible amount of receiver talent. They had two top five or five-star, actually three five-star receivers last year. One was listed as a tight end, now been moved in to a wide receiver named Deuce Robinson. But the other two guys, one of which is on this list, Zachariah Branch. And then the other guy is something Lemon, his first name. He hasn't played as much this year. But just incredible amount of talent. And you got Lincoln Riley calling the plays there. So assuming Caleb Williams moves on to the NFL, this is going to be a no-brainer. Nelson's going to be a guy that's going to start, I think, in most leagues next year. He's got really high-end talent. So excited to see him. And the next one is one that should be known to everybody. And it should be the starter next year. I'm sure there was some guarantees given when he got recruited. And that's Arch Manning, which is Peyton and Eli Manning's nephew. Cooper, their oldest brother's oldest son and was the presumptive top recruit. He was number one in 24-7. He was number four in ESPN. He likely moves in because Quinn Ears, who does have another year of eligibility, but the expectation is he'll move on to the NFL. There's even a possibility that he he does a portal and moves on to another team because he knows Arch is going to be the guy. But I think Arch gets the job there. And they got really good talent, as I'll mention in a second, to some guys. There's another guy on this list there. And it's just a good situation for him to put up numbers. So those are my three quarterbacks, Dante Moore at UCLA, Malachi Nelson at USC, Arch Manning at Texas. At running back, you're going to hear some of the same school names here. Number one is Justice Hayes, Alabama. One scouting service had a guy named Richard Young ahead of him. I think that's ESPN. 24-7 had Haynes as one of the top. I think it was the number one running back, actually, the number two running back to another guy in this list. He looked good in a little bit of time he's played. But he's playing behind two seniors. So those guys are almost definitely moving on. And Haynes will walk in and, and be the guy. Uh, next is Cedric Baxter, Texas. This guy probably should be the number one on this on the running back list. He's already played a lot and looks really good. He's a five-star. This is this is a projection a little bit, but I think he takes it's it isn't a big leap of faith because I think he deserves a spot on this list. He's gonna take a big step next year. So really like Cedric Baxter. Next guy is a little bit of a, is not much of a projection, but it's something I saw in camp this year. And then he, when he wasn't hurt, he was clearly the number three back there in Georgia, which is Roderick Robinson, true freshman out of San Diego at Georgia. He was a four-star, so top 300 nationally, but he was, he's outperformed some five-star guys around him on the same team. He is just a beast. He's 6'1", 240. He's got really good balance and strength and decent speed. He could be a great like NFL player there. He got hurt, missed about five or six weeks in the middle of the season. But whenever he's played, he's averaging like seven, eight yards a carry on five, six, seven, eight carries. He's got some balls, scored some touchdowns. He looks like a good guy. And again, like Justice Hayes, he's got two seniors ahead of him, and Kendall Milton and Blake on the other guy ahead of him. Anyhow, those two guys ahead of him are both seniors. They're likely gone. There's a guy named Branson, I think Branson, maybe Branson Robinson, actually, I'm blanking on his name. He was a higher recruit from the year before, but he tore his ACL as that out all year. 
And Rob, Roderick Robinson appeared to have jumped him in the in camp anyways. I'm high on Roderick Robinson. He won't be on a lot of other lists. He wasn't a top recruit, but he was a good recruit, like four-star guy, so not bad. And then last running back is Ruben Owens from Texas A&M. He was a top 35 overall recruit. On one service, he was the number one running back. and another service, he was like the second or third. He's played enough that he's played enough this year that his underwhelming performance statistically is a little bit of a yellow flag. But then again, I think the AMN offense has just been a mess in general. They lost their their quarterback, Connor Wegman, who, by the way, is another guy who I considered for this list. He was a decent recruit, looked decent, okay, in the beginning of the season, then got hurt, and now they're on their backup. But I, I hold out hope that Owens is a star next year, I think, uh, in the right system with with a uh, uh, different play caller, a little bit more di- dynamic, his his his, uh, his talent will come out. So uh, just, just to recap, running backs, I got Justice Hayes, Alabama, Cedric Baxter, Texas, Roderick Robinson, Georgia, and Lewitt Owens, Texas A&M. At receiver, a couple projections here and one that doesn't need to be projected at all because you've already seen how dynamic it is. So number one is Zachariah Branch from USC. Branch was the number one wide receiver recruit last year's class on multiple services, and he lived up to the billing. He is a dominant big play threat. He's already been dynamic this year as a true freshman. He is going to be the, the man there next year. Uh, you've got Jerry Rice's sons moving on. I think Mario Williams probably transfers. He's a junior this year. He could go out. He's underwhelmed. But Branch is going to be the go-to guy without a doubt. There's another five-star. There's two five-star guys there. I already mentioned Deuce Robinson, but I'm blanking on the other guy, but Needless to say, ton of talent there, and but Zachary Branch is far and away the the creme, if you will, like really good player. I can't say enough about him. He's really impressive. Oh, it's Makai Lemon, by the way, is the other receiver. Hasn't done a lot this year, so you don't have to worry about that. Next is Carnell Tate, OSU, so Ohio State. As you can see, there's a trend in this list of top freshmen playing behind NFL-bound teammates in consistently dominant offenses. That's what you want to look for. Tate falls into this group. He's behind Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka uh, ok- Okabuga, whatever. I can't pronounce his last name, but both Marvin Harrison's a first-round pick. Emeka's probably a second or third rounder if he comes out. What was interesting is I saw it was researching this. Tate has outplayed B- Obiki this year in limited time. Obviously, Ohio State's in a transition at quarterbacks. So they haven't had his dynamic passing offense this year. I think Tate's a five-star guy, top 50 He's likely going to be a main cog next year and then ascend even further. Definitely a fan of him. Next is a big projection, Jerrion Dickey out of Oregon. He was a top 100 recruit, top five at receiver last year. He's fallen in the footsteps of his former high school teammate, Troy Franklin. They both went to Mendel Atherton High School in California. Dickey will ascend to be the featured receiver in the Ducks. I think he'll be featured receiver in the Ducks high flying high scoring offense in 24. He's been a red shirt this year, so he hasn't played. So this is a projection, but based on his talent, his size, his background, I think there's a great chance there. But it, it, that is a more of a projection than some of the others I've, I've listed here. By the way, everyone I've talked about here has played the season except for Malachi Nelson, Arch Manning, and now uh, Jerry on Dickey. Next is wide receiver tight end combo. And Fantrax, he counts as a tight end. That's actually a nice little wrinkle here. It's Nicholas Harbor. This guy is a freak. Top 30 recruit nationally. He's 6'5", like 245, runs 4'4", 40, has a huge vertical leap. He's apparently a track and field star as well. He's a freak, has been utilized small doses as a true freshman, so not a ton. But when he's been used, he's been used in, as a featured guy. One game, I think he got seven or eight targets, had six catches, 70 yards, had a couple of catches here or there, but some games he hasn't had anything. 
if he can tame some of that rawness and mature this offseason, he's going to be a top NFL pick in two years. And he's going to be a dominant college player next year. Big fan of his. Watch out for that name in particular. And if he keeps his tight end designation, he'll be an outstanding college fantasy player. Next two are tight ends. So just pure tight ends. First one is Notre Dame, Holden Stace. Stace pairs it. it appears to be the heir apparent to the next potential kind of great Notre Dame tight end mantle, if you will. He was good, but not spectacular recruit. Top 300, a three-star in some, four-star in others. But he's already shown explosiveness. He's a redshirt freshman, had a 100-yard game earlier in the season. He's been a monster on the end zone. He's got four touchdown passes. I think he's the second leading touchdown recipient for the Notre Dame, the Irish. They just lost their number one tight end, Mitchell Evans, I believe. He's done for the season a week ago. So Stace hasn't stepped up into that role in the, the one week since they lost him. But I think he's the guy. You just look at his measurables, look how he played in the game. I looked at some of that tape in the 100-yard game. He's, he's got what it takes. And then last, shouldn't be a surprise, another a four-star 22 recruit. He's a redshirt freshman, Georgia's Oscar Delp. He almost looks, he's a larger, slightly less explosive Brock Bowers. But he's on this list because he plays in an offense that features a tight end. And he's been good subbing in for an injured Bowers. He's had a two-touchdown game the other week. He kind of plays that big body role. I, I think he's a guy who, you got to see a little bit more of him, but he looks like a guy who could turn into a Jason Witten type where just a solid, basic, huge mitts and make the crucial kind of chain move, moving catches, use them all over the space, big time in the red zone, but then a, a monster on the line blocking as well. So a guy that probably goes pretty high in the NFL draft because he's he represents good value in both as a receiver and as a blocker. So that's my list. Just to recap on the receivers, Zachariah Branch, USC, Carno uh, Tate, uh, Ohio State, Jerrion Dickey, Oregon. Nicholas Harbor, South Carolina, and then the true tight ends, Holden Stays, Notre Dame, and Oscar Delp, Georgia. So on that note, I hope you have an awesome week ahead. It's going to be not a great college football weekend, but not bad. It's just not as many tight, big games. Some rivalry games, though, so I'm excited about that. Um, but we're rolling into a two-week stretch where there's going to be a ton of activity, so excited for that. Anyhow, on that note, have a great day, great week. Appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave... Uptown, funk you up. 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 Uptown, funk you up.